Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 25, Football Wars and Dean Blandino. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. Folks, we are approximately 300 days away from the XFL's return. After several months of silence, the league is now delivering substance and there's plenty more to be unveiled as we get closer to February 2023. I must say, today we have a fantastic show. So make sure you stick around for the entire episode. As usual, I'll be diving into new developments, and later in the show, I will be joined by XFL's Vice President of Officiation and Playing Rules Innovation, Dean Blandino, where we will be discussing the XFL's 2.0 rules, as well as what we can anticipate for the 2023 season. So, let's get to it. On April 16th, former Los Angeles Wildcats linebacker Jeremiah Spicer was involved in an automobile accident and was hospitalized as a result of it. According to Spicer's social media, when a lady ran a red light and struck his car, he was ejected out of the back seat despite wearing a seatbelt. At this moment, it is unclear what the extent of his injuries are. My thoughts and prayers go out to him on a full and speedy recovery. Then on April 19th, ESPN staff writer Kevin Seifert reported XFL executives Mark Ross, Doug Whaley, and Russ Gagalow have continued efforts to counter its competitor, the USFL, who kicked off on April 16th. According to Seifert, agents have informed him that the XFL will be offering higher salaries and better benefits than the USFL. In addition, they have suggested that the XFL schedule would be more advantageous for players seeking National Football League's team's consideration. To provide a better understanding, the USFL players receive $4,500 in base salary per week, as well as victory bonuses. Their benefits include subsidized regular season housing at a rate of $75 towards a $150 hotel room at the league's one-site location, whereas the XFL's higher salaries, full housing, and meal costs during the season. The report did not include a monetary figure of the XFL's 2023 salaries. The report also mentioned that the XFL is expected to field 70 player rosters, with 45 active players for game day, which translates to 560 players, which is approximately 200 more than what the USFL's current roster limits. It is likely the USFL anticipates such an attempt and partly protected itself by having players sign a two-year contract prior to their 2022 season. This is by no means a surprise. Like any industry, direct competition leads to competitors offering more aggressive compensation. It is possible the USFL purposefully lowered its 2022 compensation due to the lack of competition during its first season, with intentions of increasing salaries for the 2023 season. Today's show title says it all. 
we knew the lead up to 2023 was going to get interesting and full of options for players. It appears a football wars have its first battle in the trenches. Despite your feelings on the approach the XFL is taking on having a leg up on the competition, we must accept that this is business and this is how businesses operate. Then on April 20th, unconfirmed reports surfaced of an XFL meeting in Dallas, Texas. The meeting was expected to include league officials and the head coaches. The anticipated itinerary included roster sizes, rules, and staff. Then on April 21st, pictures surfaced of the meeting involving league officials and head coaches. Among the pictures was an image of the eight head coaches with Danny Garcia and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, where they're at the 50-yard line at Choctaw Stadium, the former home of the Dallas Renegades. Then on April 22nd, in the early hours of the morning, XFL co-owner Dwayne The Rock Johnson made a social media post acknowledging the meeting from the previous day in Arlington, Texas, and the location as the new XFL headquarters. If you recall an article in November of 2020 by the late Josh Davis, he informed the XFL fan base of a renewed contract with what is now Choctaw Stadium. This agreement essentially set up Arlington, Texas as the new home of the XFL. This also all but guarantees the return of the Renegades. In addition, this move does not eliminate the possibility of a 2023 Central Hub. Also, on April 22nd, the league introduced eco-friendly gear in recognition of Earth Day 2022. According to the XFL shop, it is proud to release its first collection of responsibly produced eco-friendly league merchandise, which is made from recycled materials. The eco-friendly gear is now available in the XFL shop. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by the XFL's Vice President of Officiating and Playing Rules Innovation, Dean Blandino, to discuss his return to the XFL, the XFL 2.0 rule innovations, and what we could expect for the 2023 season. Welcome, Dean. Seeing the 2023 season kicks off in approximately 10 months, I imagine you are a busy individual. I appreciate you finding the time to join the show to discuss your return to the XFL and appointment as the Vice President of Officiation and uh, Plane Rules Innovation. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, we're busy. Just exciting, exciting times to try to get, get everything in place and get ready for kickoff and yeah, right around 10 months in February 2023. So we've got some Got some meetings coming up, announced the head coaches. So I'm excited to get to work with, with that group and get their input on, on rules and different things that we can do. And, and just excited to get going with the entire team. Awesome. Can you walk us through the process of your return to the XFL? When did the opportunity present itself? Who was involved? Yeah, so... Unfortunately, as everyone knows, right, the XFL and kind of fell in the in the the middle of the start of the pandemic. And, and that was such a right an unfortunate, really tough to kind of prepare for something like that. So when the new XFL or Redbird Capital, Danny Garcia, Dwayne Johnson, when they got involved, I was really excited and, and certainly interested in getting back involved. But it wasn't until Russ Brandon called me and Russ was a longtime executive with within the NFL at the Buffalo Bills. And I'd known Russ for a long time in my previous role at the NFL in the officiating department. And Russ called me and asked me if I was interested in just having a conversation 
listening to what they were thinking about doing. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, you know, something that I'm definitely interested in. And we had some good conversations, jumped on some Zoom calls, had some more conversations with Jerry Cardinal and others from Redbird and the ownership group. And and everyone kind of said the right things. And I was just really on board at that point. And we kind of worked out a deal. And now I'm uh, officially ready to go. The 2020 iteration of the XFL was received well by the fans. Many fell in love with the reimagined football and its innovative rules and their implementation. For some of the fan base, there is a concern of significant change to what we saw in 2020 due in part to the new ownership's vision for the league. I understand you were recently appointed and perhaps it's a bit early, but how much change would we end up seeing come 2023? Yeah, it's a great question. And look, I understand that 2020, the rules innovations, like you said, were were very well received. You think about the kickoff and, and some of the other things, timing, the ball spotter. And so we feel like we have a really good foundation and we don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? There's obviously new people, new coaches. We want to get input, input from fans and things. Um it's it's kind of like it's if it's not broken, don't try to fix it, but also always looking to innovate new technologies, you know, a couple of years removed from, from the 2020 version. Is there something we can do with technology? Is there something we can do with player safety or other issues? So we're not gonna we're not gonna reinvent the wheel. We're not going to make major changes. You might see some minor tweaks, but we feel like there's a really good foundation. And, and we can just build on that and make it even better. So, so I wouldn't expect major, major changes on the rules. As I mentioned in 2020, the reimagined football included newer and safer kickoff, multi-option extra points, two forward passes, and the overtime shootout, which unfortunately we didn't get to see. The new USFL recently kicked off, and they have adopted several of the XFL rules into their league. Will the 2023 XFL be keened on marching to the beat of its own drum, or will they be willing to take a look at what the USFL are doing with modernizing the game with technology, such as utilizing the chip in the ball, their bolt six to determine ball placement and automated first downs? Yeah, you know, we're always we're going to look at everything. We're going to look at what the USFL is doing, the NFL college, and we've had a lot of conversations. Look, the chip in the ball is not that's not new technology. That's not something that that just came about. We've been looking at that. I, I looked at that when I was with the NFL 10 years ago, and that's something that we've always talked about. And so you're always going to look at what other organizations, other leagues are doing, even outside of football. What is, you know, what are they doing in, in soccer? What are they doing in basketball? What are they doing in baseball? So we can always look at best practices and try to improve what we're doing. And, and so we're going to look at all of it and come up with, we feel like we have the best team. We've got the best people in place and we'll make 2020s version. We'll make it even better. And, uh, and you'll see some cool new things and, and you'll see some of the, like the rules innovations that you loved in 2020. It is interesting with the chip in the ball, because this past weekend we saw kicking wasn't looking too good in the USFL. It looked like it was impacting the kicking game. And it kind of had me somewhat wonder does it impact the passing game as well because early on in the first halves we're seeing especially with the Panthers it wasn't looking too pretty (laughs) so that made me kind of wonder does that impact the game not just in a technology but the functionality of the actual play 
Well, there's no question when we first were presented, and I remember talking to, to the, you know, some of the companies that were involved in this technology, how is this going to impact the football? Is this going to somehow compromise the football and the performance and the aerodynamics and all of that? And, and as technology continues to improve, that chip really, it's designed to not impact the football in any way. You're really not supposed to even notice that it's there. So I don't know how much of that I would imagine. Look, it, it's the first week. These are players that that are they're playing for the first time together. So there's always going to be those hiccups. But again, anything that we do on the technology side, we want to make sure that football is still football. It's still the game that we all love. And we don't want it to look and feel significantly different. But we feel like we can improve and, and maybe do some things that the NFL doesn't do on their broadcast or college football doesn't do on their broadcast. That's one of the things in 2020 we really liked about, you know, that transparency and taking people behind the scenes and seeing what the replay process looks like. And here's like listening to the referee, listening to the coach, send in the play call. Those are all really cool innovations. And I think we're going to, we're going to see more of that next year with the XFL. So somewhat piggyback on the last question. Is there any chance the XFL could, utilize some version of the command center or the sky judge yeah absolutely we're looking at that we're looking at having centralized replay you know nothing's finalized yet but that's something again as technology i was involved in in bringing replay back into the nfl in 1998 for the 1999 season and the technology and, and that we're talking about over 20 years ago and the technology has improved tremendously from that point And so, you know, now you can do replay remotely. I could do replay with enough bandwidth from my house. You know, there's different things that we can do. So, yeah, we're going to look at centralized replay, Sky Judge. All those concepts are being discussed. And we feel like we'll have a good plan in place and and be ready to go for uh, 2023. As you previously mentioned, there is a lot of ideas or rules to sort through. What is the biggest challenge in creating a rule book for an innovative league such as the XFL? Yeah, what's good is that you've got it's not like we were writing a rule book from scratch, right? We weren't we didn't have to create the game of football. The game of football's been around for a long time and we have NFL rules and college football rules in place and then, you know, we felt like we could take some of that, use it as a foundation but then improve it, especially as it related to player safety, like the kickoff. I mean, that was such an innovative idea. And then timing, how can we continue to work towards improving game flow, right? Because one of the things that fans, the feedback we got from fans is not that the game is too long. It's that there's too many stoppages, right? There's too many delays. There's too many time stops and starts. So how do we improve that flow to where we're not having all of these unnecessary stoppages keeping the game moving and keeping the fans engaged, whether they're watching at home on TV or they're actually at the stadium. So I think those are the things you look to innovate because some of these rules, you know, the NFL has been around for a long time. College football has been around for a long time. And so fans and the way they digest the game has changed. So you look at those areas, how can we improve in those areas? And, uh, and I think that's the biggest challenge. It's what is the fan of, 2022, 2023, how do they want to watch the game? What's important to them? What the engagement, how do we get the best possible product for them to watch? And that's the goal. This wasn't on my list, but it kind of got me thinking a little bit, you know, with 
instant technology being at our fingertips, you know, attention spans being shorter. You're talking about how the fans perceive the game. I know that the fast pace, the tempo was received well in 2020. I wonder how that was actually received as far as the coaches and players on the other end for the game. Was it good? Was it bad? Was it kind of indifferent? Yeah, that's the thing about and our coaches were really tremendous and everyone understands that, look, this is a new league and we're, we're trying to create fan engagement. And we're trying to get people involved and we've got to be, you know, we can't just stick to the status quo. We've got to be able to think outside the box and the coaches were tremendous and our new group of coaches are the same way and they understand and they adapt. The one thing I've learned over the years is coaches and players will adapt. Every year you, there's a new set of rules changes and you might hear some grumbling at first, but you know what? When OTAs come around and training camps, they're teaching, the coaches are teaching to the new rules and the players are adjusting and you see it every year. So these coaches, these players, they understand we're not going to do anything that's going to put the players in a position where it's an unnecessary risk, right? Where you're going so fast that A, the players are now at risk and B, the, the, the game doesn't look, you know, you can go too fast to where the game gets sloppy and now we're, we're running around and we're not lined up and we have a lot of line of scrimmage fouls and delay of game fouls. So we don't want that either. So it's a balance and the coaches and players have been tremendous and we're, we're excited about working together with them. What will the partnership with the National Football League look like on the innovation side? Are we getting any sort of saying we as in the league as a, a fan and a podcast host? But is the XFL going to be getting any sort of resources back from the National Football League with officiating? Well, yeah, I think this will be a partnership and more so a collaboration where we can. The NFL obviously has rules change rules changes every year. There are some that are proposed that don't get voted on or, or they get they get voted down. So with us, you know, we're we're talking to the NFL about, hey, if there's a rule that you want to test, is there a technology that you want to test? So I think it's just going to be a collaboration, a good conversation. We'll be, you know, using a lot of the officials that are in the officiating development program, which is the NFL's kind of development group where they bring these officials along and that's the next group that gets hired when they have openings in the NFL. So we'll use a lot of those officials. We used a lot of them in 2020. And, uh, and so we're excited about that collaboration and it'll be an ongoing dialogue. And I think there might be things that we haven't even thought about yet that we might be able to work together on. And, and so I'm, I'm excited about that opportunity. With diversity being big issue, a big hot button topic these days. And we're seeing a good shift in inclusion on the head coaching side, whether it be inexperience, whether it be just diversity in general. Is that something we could see more of on the officiating side? I know in 2020, we saw the diversity of women in, into the game, which we didn't really see from the National Football League. Are we seeing a commitment to that? Is that really a primary focus Oh, no question. Look, and that's something that is important. It was important to us in 2020. It's important to us now in terms of that diversity and inclusion and giving people an opportunity that maybe they didn't have an opportunity in the past. And, and whether that's a minority, it could be, it could be women officials, it could be whoever it is. We just want to be an organization that is going to give those people opportunities 
And, and we're excited about that. And, and our staff in 2020 was very diverse, people from different backgrounds and races and genders and everything else. And we want to continue that. And I think, you know, that's always going to be a big pillar of what we do with the XFL and within officiating. It's just part of it. That's one of our core values. And we're excited to continue to head down that path to where to where it's not a thing, right? It's not something that we're just talking about and uh, where people that didn't have those opportunities have those opportunities now. And, and women officials or minority officials, whoever it is, it's not a big deal when they get a big assignment or they, they become a referee. It's just normal. And that's kind of the goal. I have noticed you and Sam Shortstein have a friendly social media interaction, perhaps yeah. even a friendship. Is there any chance we could see him return to the XFL? Um, I love Sam. I don't know. I, I don't know if Sam will. I don't know what's going on there. Sam was a tremendous. I enjoyed so much. I didn't know Sam prior to my time at the XFL in 2020. And, I, and I've said this to other people. I mean, for someone that doesn't have an officiating background, and obviously he has a football background. He played. He's so, you know, really, really smart and intelligent in all areas. But for someone without an officiating background, he he had a tremendous grasp on officiating rules and concepts. And I enjoyed working with him so much. And a lot of those ideas, the innovations, those were those were Sam's. You know, that was all Sam. And that was tremendous to be able to work with him. Um, And we do have a friendly little banter because he's very active on Twitter and I always give him a little bit of a hard time, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to work with Sam again, but that uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. I noticed you told him to pretty much he needs to get off Twitter every once in a while (laughs) the other day. So that was funny. This has been some fantastic stuff, Dean. I really don't want to hold you up. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. I would love to do this again sometime, you know, your schedule pending. Yeah, let's do it as we get closer to the season. I'd love to uh, join you if we have other updates and things that we can chat about. If some of our listeners wanted to keep an eye out for potential updates or would like to follow you on social media, where could they do so? Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Dean Blandino, you know, the XFL. There's, you'll see more coming out in terms of the XFL branding and where to go, the XFL website, you know, at XFL on Twitter. You, hashtag right now is XFL 2023, but you'll see more and more. Obviously, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, he's got a massive, massive social media following and he'll be putting stuff out. Danny Garcia, who is tremendous, who, who's basically our, you know, she's our North Star and we're really excited and she has a tremendous social media presence. So you'll see updates from them as well. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. Having Dean Blandino on the show is such a treat. I am truly encouraged by Dean's responses. It sounds as if there will not be major changes to what we fell in love with in 2020, yet we must be realistic. By the time the XFL 3.0 kicks off in February 2023, three years would have passed since a league shut down in 2020. Within that span of time, things change, and technological advancements have been made. The fan base needs to be open to some tweaks in the rules. In addition, Dean confirmed that the league is planning for a February 2023 kickoff. Before I wrap things up, I'd like to take a moment to inform you all that our team here at Let's Talk XFL are finally ready to share our website, letstalkxflpodcast.com. Our show's official webpage is a centralized location of all of our episodes and more. 
Eventually, we'll be offering our own line of unique XFL-inspired merchandise. So be sure to check the episode's description and notes for the link to our website, and keep an eye out for our shop's grand opening. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.